Hello and welcome to the Double Double. My name is David Dixon and it is Tuesday, March 24th. I'm in my podcast bunker back home in Brooklyn. It is another day without sports in America as the global coronavirus pandemic continues. Um, There's a lot of political news about that that a lot of people are focusing on, rightfully so. Uh, But today, I kind of got a a fun distraction, I hope, for, for people from the news about the virus and the pandemic. So before I give away who's coming on the podcast today, I got a text from an avid listener uh, and former co-host to throw some recommendations on here. So so I want to just recommend a couple TV shows that I've been watching during this little quarantine period. The first one is Ugly Delicious. It is a cooking slash travel show on Netflix hosted by David Chang, who owns the Momofuku company, which is a whole bunch of restaurants, primarily in the New York area and really all over the country. And it's a really, really fun show. You learn a ton about different food in different regions and it kind of just about how food really connects us all. And the next show that I want to plug is Silicon Valley. It's a show on HBO. It's a sitcom. It's kind of a spoof on the whole tech world and tech executives and all the crazy things that that they do. And it's one of the funniest shows on TV right now. They just finished their last season. Uh, So you could binge the whole thing. It's on HBO. Great ensemble cast and hysterical. And one book that I've been reading is a book called Grit by Angela Duckworth. I'm about halfway through, and it's all about how, kind of what what the title says, that uh, how grit affects people's success, and not just working hard, but working through problems, and it's not just all about talent, but it's the use of talent and hard work and persevering through a lot of challenges. So that's a bit of an inspiring, really cool read if if you're looking to to learn something during this uh, time where we all might have a, a little bit of extra time. So coming up today on the podcast, head men's basketball coach of Whitman College out in Walla Walla, Washington State, Eric Bridgeland joined me today. Uh, this is one of my favorite interviews I've ever done so far in my podcasting career. Uh, coach Brillen was absolutely awesome. He had some great answers. We had a great conversation. And, uh, you know, just looking forward to you guys listening. So uh, I'm going to hit the music. And when I come back, I'll be joined by head men basketball coach at Whitman College, Eric Bridgeland. Joining me today on the Double Double is the head men's basketball coach at Whitman College, Eric Bridgeland. Under the leadership of Coach Bridgeland, the Whitman Blues have become a national powerhouse in Division III basketball. Since taking over prior to the 2008-2009 season, Whitman has won 74% of their games. The Whitman team has made the last five NCAA tournaments with runs to the 2016 Sweet 16, 2017 Final Four, 
2018 Elite Eight, and 2019 Sweet 16, going 132-18 and 18 during that period. In his time at Whitman, Coach Bridgeland has coached four Conference Players of the Year and was named the 2017 D3Hoops.com Coach of the Year. Prior to taking over at Whitman in 2008, he led the Puget Sound program from 2001 to 2006, turning them into a national contender, making three straight Sweet 16s. I'm thrilled that he has taken the time to join me today. Coach, how's it going? Great, David. So excited to be here. Love what you're doing. Thanks, Coach. So I've been asking everyone the, the last two weeks, I feel like it's in every conversation I have just with anybody, is uh, the global pandemic. So it's something that is shocking to, to us all, and there isn't really a guide out there for all of us, but especially in the coaching handbook on how to handle something like this. With a roster of guys from primarily the Northwest in California, what have you been doing to help your players and with your own professional development during this time? Boy, uh, so it's not in the handbook, huh? No. <laughs> uh, um, uh, you know, it it hit literally when we went on uh, right on the spring break, right? So, so we had we have a two week spring break at Whitman. So, uh, as soon as it hit, our guys were were gone, and, and um, I mean, it's uh, like uh, most colleges and universities, we uh, went from uh, being live in class to going online, you know, solely. And so it's it's uh, kind of uh, helping them navigate um, how that's going to look. Is uh, we don't start that until next Monday, um, and then uh, keeping them connected um, to us and uh, to each other while they're away. You know, it's uh, it's uh, weird as as I'm sure you can attest. You know, uh, going into the spring and being away from each other physically. Yeah. So uh, just uh, constantly in contact with them on the phone, FaceTime, text, and um, uh, those. Those kinds of things thus far, you know, usually this uh, two-week spring break for us is is a, um, a rest time, and, and then they get going with the basketball stuff and all that when they return to campus, you know. So um, kind of uh, keeping along with that, um, just making sure that they uh, know that they're missed and, and um, that we're excited about our future together and, and um, you know, just um, keeping that talk going about what we're going to do once we can come back together again. And, uh, yeah. Yeah, it's. I started online class uh, yesterday, and it's it's definitely a little different. But so far, it's been smooth sailing on that front. My professor have done a great job. So, uh, I just want to go back to the beginning for a second. Tell the listeners about where you grew up and kind of how you fell in love with uh, with basketball. Uh, you know, you know how much time you have. <laughs> uh, I, I, you know, I've. Uh, I, I mean, I, I was born in the Midwest and, and then um, moved to Canada when my when my. Uh, Mom got remarried and, and uh, had my uh, elementary schooling up there, uh, junior high in Colorado and in Illinois, and then I was at four different high schools, both in Colorado and Illinois, and then uh, went back to Canada to play. One of my claims to fame is, is uh, that was uh, Steve Nash's roommate on the uh, national team. Uh, and, uh, <laughs> no, you know that's and, awesome. And through, throughout uh, throughout all those moves, uh, you know, like I was in a different school, you know, uh, five or six years straight, right? So. Um, you know, uh, I, I kind of hid in basketball because I didn't know anybody, and, and um, coaches looked out for me and, and uh, um, um, built me to, and like built my confidence to a place where I didn't need basketball anymore. And that was a big deal because I, I leaned on basketball because the whole the whole social aspect of belonging and being somebody and what's my identity, you know. Right. Um, and so they just built my confidence, and so I was uh, so in love with the game and, and uh, played. And, and uh, what I wanted to do is get back into it. And I coach because it, uh, uh, give forward what they gave me. You know, they built me. So to be able to have that 
gift to be able to help others and uh, their confidence. Um, you know, I, young men growing up, that was a, that's all I ever wanted to do. And so when I got into coaching was like, uh, the, the first thing that I realized this was at, um, uh, West Florida, I was a volunteer and then Stephen of Austin after that, but was that as a, um, as an assistant coach or like a volunteer, even just an assistant, I was in charge of, um, setting the culture, you know? Right. Um, and so like, I had my own idea uh, about how that culture should be. And so right away I'm like, well, wait a minute, we're not doing it right. You yeah. know, um, you, you know, and, and so then I realized quickly, um, once I got to uh, Lewis and Clark college under Bob Gaylor, who's the best coach I've ever been under, he's just an amazing mentor. And, and, uh, you know, we had, uh, you know, a D3. And so we had all the guys showing up at, you know, 520 for a uh, 6 a.m. practice. And so I'm like, wow. And I, I just fell in love with the guys. And, and I'm like, boy, I could be, I could probably be a head coach quicker at the small college level than I could be at Division One. And I, and I didn't care about money or uh, people in the stands. I just wanted to be able to build the confidence of young people, right? Yeah. So uh, I just got on that track and, and um, I got lucky and, and then uh, kind of uh, the rest is um, history. I've been very fortunate to be uh, head coach for what, you know, I don't know, um, 18, 20 years, something like that. Yeah. Um, seems like yesterday. But, but <laughs> it's uh, no, but, you know, and to um, be able to uh, try to give that back, you know, right, right. all the confidence in young people. So, yeah. That's, that's awesome, Coach. So you get the Puget Sound job in 2001. In your five seasons there, you won more than 10 games in each season and made three straight Sweet 16s. What was the process like in building the Puget Sound program into not just a consistent winner, but a national contender? Well, it, it, it's weird because it's very, very tough to get uh, what I call like a made job. You know, there, there's um, uh, programs and, um, and infrastructure within athletic departments where like, you just look over the span. You, know, you, would, uh, you would talk about Kentucky and North Carolina and Kansas at the uh, Division One level, right? Mm-hmm. Um, at uh, D three, you know, like it's a, such a great level because it's not as intense recruiting wise. Um, coaches don't leave, you know, so it's hard to get a really good job, like a made job. So for me um, to uh, be in the same conference as Puget or as uh, Lewis and Clark, Puget Sound was very attractive, even though they had one winning season in their, in their previous nine. It wasn't a great job, you know. Right. Um, so the first thing was to like get in there and uh, you know, figure out how to be competitive. Um, you, you know, and, and so I got in there and um, figured it out, you know, and that began with building relationships on the recruiting front and um, getting them to campus and getting them to uh, uh, love each other. And, and uh, you know, and, and if you get talent, you get talent to love each other. That's an incredible force. Right. Yeah, for sure. Uh, yeah. And, 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 uh, and so, I mean, that's always kind of been um, the framework of how to do it. And if, if you're from the West Coast and uh, you're in Division Three. You know, all you have to do is take a, a quick little visit out to the Midwest or uh, the Northeast, for that matter, um, and they realize that you're out talented in a hurry. Uh, you know, uh, Division Three is kind of new in the West, uh-huh. um, and it doesn't have the same prestige as it does in the Midwest or in the East. Um, and, and so, like, my uh, first like, coaching job was at UC Santa Cruz, and so we inherited a schedule where we went out to play. Augustana and Illinois Wesleyan, those two monsters, right? Yeah. Um, and and I just remember them uh, warming up and going, like, we're playing these guys? Like, <laughs> I mean, it, 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 was, it was crazy. Like, we have no shot, you know? And so uh-huh. I just started realizing that, okay, how do we create a style of play that can help level the playing field 
with those giants, you know? Yeah, um, right. And um, uh, that became pressing and uh, guard play because there's a trillion guards. And there's only a few quality bigs, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, so, like, if we're running and pressing, they can only really play one big, not two or three. Right, right. Um, you know, so that that um, um, that style of play kind of um, uh, helped fuel us moving towards being a nationally competitive, you know? Yeah, for sure. So, yeah. so you make the decision to leave Puget Sound in 2006 after a 23-5 and season, another run to the Sweet 16, and a year in which you won the Northwest Conference Coach of the Year Award, and you go to Pepperdine as an assistant. What was the transition like from being a head coach back to being an assistant? Uh, a, you know, uh, what I mentioned earlier, uh, a real two-by-four to the side of the head with, okay, I'm not in charge of the culture. Yeah. And that was, uh, like, uh, that struck me immediately. Um, and and uh, I went with uh, one of my mentors, Vance Wahlberg, who's an amazing X's and O's coach. And um, But I got there, I'm like, okay, well, we're not really building the confidence of these guys, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's not what I'm in it for, you know. And so, I mean, I, I, I quickly started thinking, okay, how do I get back to being in charge of the culture, you know. And, and um, even when uh, at the end of my stay at Pepperdine even uh, when there's an opportunity to become Pepperdine's coach and to um, apply for it and everything else I didn't want that I want to get back to the small college level where it's not about winning and losing it's about building uh, the confidence in young men and and so Whitman became open and, and uh, you know but again it's another bad job right they had yeah. a winning season in 20 years so you're like well it doesn't matter you know I can I can just try to build it and it's um, it's fun building stuff. So immediately I'm like, okay, I got to get out of the situation and I got to get back to where I'm comfortable and like, uh, in terms of what my goals are. And that's the build the confidence of young men. So, right. So as you mentioned, one of your mentors, coach Vance Wahlberg was the coach of Pepperdine. He's credited as being one of the inventors of the modern dribble drive offense. So how is the, ex- your exposure to coach Wahlberg, this great X and O's offensive mind influence your coaching style? Uh, I mean, I mean, he's um, an innovator. He, uh, uh, just in terms of uh, X's and O's, you know, he's uh, uh, he is a creator of it. You know, like it, it um, really broadened my whole view on what space meant. Right. Um, and, and you know, and uh, when you're uh, driving to the basket, you actually move the post out of the way. You know, so you can make it there. No, no, you know, but like you don't know those things. You know, it, just after you know, and like I was already running. Uh, right. Right. Running, uh, a dribble drive at Puget Sound. Yeah. You know, and, and um, learning from him, and so. I have my own thoughts on it too, but like, it was like, once you go from that offense to watching other teams that are like uh, penetrating, you can go, well, why is that guy there? He should be on the baseline. He should be there. Like it was just a whole nother galaxy of opportunity to teach something different and, and uh, really, really innovative. So I learned uh, an awful lot there um, on the floor in terms of uh, X's and O's, you know? Yeah. So very valuable. So for the listeners who who don't know, Whitman is a top-notch liberal arts college in Walla Walla, Washington State. As you mentioned, you uh, decide not to apply for the Pepperdine job, and you get the Whitman head, head coaching job in the summer of 2008. They had gone 20 years at a winning season and won only one conference game the previous year. You mentioned uh, you've, you've mentioned a lot about building the confidence of young men. What is like the first thing you try to do to to change the culture of a program to get it to where you want it to be, where you're uplifting and teaching young men? 
uh, the worse the program, the more uh, selfish that it is. Mm-hmm. I mean, that's what I've found, you know, and, and uh, it, it was incredibly selfish when we first got here. Um, you know, I, I, you, you got to go and uh, um, build a dream about what you're trying to do, you know, and, and you need to sell that dream and get um, like everything comes back to recruiting and, and who you're bringing on campus and who you're getting in your program. So you, you uh, focus on winners, you focus on talented players. Uh, and and um, if if you are truly about them, that sells, you know, like like um, in our recruiting pitch now, it, it's, you know, uh, getting them where they aspire to be. That's all that matters. Yeah. Uh, uh, for for assistant coaches, for players, like like having experience to where that they absolutely love, and that at the end of four years they've got an opportunity um, upon graduation that they're excited about, and, and we help them get that through internships and whether it's playing pro, whether it's uh, being in finance, like that's motivating. It's completely about them, and they know it. Right. Um, right. And as soon as, and as soon as you can pave that and uh, be that and pave it, like you can't just say it; you got to be it. Mm-hmm. And, and uh, um, you know, it all of a sudden, you know, it's uh, all about them and they know it. That's powerful, you know. Yeah, um, for sure. Yeah. So I personally believe that there's a, an East Coast bias in the way that college sports are covered at all levels. So when you travel around the country, is there an extra motivation to prove that these West Coast teams can't compete with the top teams around the country? Where, as you mentioned, in the, in the Midwest and the Northeast, there's, there's, you know, the the D3 schools have just a leg up because they've been around for a lot longer. You know, it's so funny. Um, uh, I was a finalist for um, the Wash U job two years ago. Uh-huh. And, and uh, you, know, I, you know, that's a monster. That's a made program, a monster program. Right. And, and, and um, the, athletic, uh, the athletic director there is amazing, just an innovator. And, and um, he would have been a blast to work for. Um, but, you know, um, he asked me two or three questions about, you know, like, do you guys play zone in the West? Do you guys, you know, yeah. <laughs> like, we were from the ranch, you know, uh-huh. <laughs> <laughs> out in the West. It's like, no, no, we actually have uniforms and everything. Yeah. Uh, you know, uh, and, and so it's, you know, even Puget Sound, we actually made it to the Elite Eight. Okay, tied yeah. with Illinois Wesleyan to, with a three, uh, three minutes to go to go to the Final Four. It was like, I felt like. The West Coast didn't get um, the respect that it deserved um, until we broke through whatever it was three years ago and made it to the Final Four. You know, like yeah, you know, like despite all of the, how the um, tournaments um, set up, to where you have to travel no matter what. You know, it, mm-hmm. even if you're the top seed in the tournament. So it's it's I don't think we're there yet, but um, you know, um, making it to a, a Final Four. You know, that was the first time since 82. Like, I, I yeah. opened up the West Coast to like, hey, it's possible. And they're actually good out there, too. Yeah, you know? right, right. Um, you know, and so I, I think that's the first time uh, in my history, I think, uh, of knowing Division Three that people went, oh, okay, West has got a team or two out there, you know. Yeah. Those deep runs, you know. You mentioned a little earlier, Coach, that you guys have an aggressive style of play to try to co- to try to compete, which is that you guys press a lot pretty much the entire game. And then when the ball does get into the half court, you guys really put a lot of pressure on the ball as well. On pretty much every team I've played on since middle school, we have had a press in our playbook, yet I've only played on one team that really embraced it and it was moderately successful. What is it about the way you guys press and pressure opponents to uh, uh, pressure opposing teams that make it work so well? 
Well, I would say, I mean, I would say the first thing, uh, one of my mentors is uh, Mike Dunlap, who, who is, uh, uh, was recently at uh, Loyola Marymount, was uh, won, uh, won two national championships at a Metro State in Denver, uh-huh. uh, was the, uh, was the uh, uh, Bobcats head coach in the NBA. You know, one of the things that uh, he said early on in my coaching career that really stuck with me was, who is stealing whose practice time? You know, who is preparing for who? Right. You know, and, and like everyone's getting ready for us. True. Yeah. We're not getting ready for anybody. And, and, um, we have a style of play and we're very, very detailed with what we do, but it's not like we're going to go out there and run things differently or, you know, uh, change things up or, you know, but uh, teams are doing that for us because it's a different style of play. Mm-hmm. So that, you know, that's the first advantage that you have. Right. Yeah. Um, you know, and, and like, and you played, so, so like if you're a coach, you know, I don't like being pressed and I'm impressing coach. It makes me nervous. Yeah. You know, you know, so do the things that make the other guy nervous. Right. Right. You know, uh, and, and so we always pick up full, but that doesn't mean that we're going to come get you yet. Yeah. You know, but it makes the other guy nervous and you're, you know, maybe we don't let it get to the point guard. Maybe, you know, uh, so what's, uh, like whatever you run, you're committed to it or you don't have a shot. Right. So there's games where, uh, you know, like I remember when we first started really pressing, and uh, we were playing, uh, this is a back in Puget Sound, and we played Wisconsin River Falls when they were a tournament team. And uh, they won, the, they played the year in the country, and they won the, um, the WIAC or the WIAC, whatever we call it. Mm-hmm. And uh, we were down 20 in the first half. And, oh, and wow. they, were going, they were going through our press like a knife through butter. Like, <laughs> you know, um, but, but, you know, I had a real thought in like my head there. Okay, are, are we really going to keep doing this? Right. You know, yeah. because uh, this could be 40 or 60 here if I don't, you know. Uh-huh. Um, and so I stuck to it, thank God, and, and we uh, came all the way back and won, you know. But there was like, uh, you just got to commit to what you're doing. And yeah. so the style of play gave uh, a West Coast team a chance. Um, we do pressure. We can also guard in the half. Yeah. Uh, and and uh, we uh, worked real, real hard on that. And so it just depends on the team, you know. Sometimes you uh, pressure more, sometimes you pressure less. Gotcha. Um, sometimes it's more man, sometimes it's more zone press. It's a combination of both. Mm-hmm. Uh, it just depends on the year and the roster. As I mentioned at the top, Coach, you've been incredibly successful at Whitman and at Puget Sound, and it's long been said that sports is a copycat business. Why do you think more teams aren't trying to copy the way that you guys play? I think coaches want to be in control of the game. And, and like uh, you watch at the uh, Division One level, you'll see games that are 48, 46, yeah. with, uh, two minutes to go in the game. Right. I mean, they're like, they're calling out every single play, every single set, right? We don't want to be 48, 46, like with two minutes to play unless it's in the first half. Yeah. You know, so, so there's, and you know, it's funny. Um, I think each coach coaches like they played, you know, like if, if um, you like, I'm that painter, like I'm sure was a, uh, was a post, you know, uh, you played, right. Yeah. You know, uh, and so they play two posts and they work the ball around and they go high, low and they, you know, like I was a guard, I was a two guard that uh, didn't guard anybody, but shot a lot of threes <laughs> and you know, and like you think about recruiting, right? Yeah. Everything comes back to recruiting. So kids don't want to play defense. They don't want to do that. Yeah. Right. Um, they want to run. They want to shoot threes. They want to, you know, that sells, Right. They don't want to average eight points a game. They want to average, you know, 18 or 28. Yeah. But you can't do that when it's 48, 46 playing at Arizona either. No. Nah. Right? 
So it's like, okay, well, how can you build all these things and like line up all the reasons why you want to choose their program, uh, our program, you know, so like, we'll, we'll even say we don't guard um, people. We just take the ball away from them. Right. Yeah, for sure. What's wrong with that? You know, Uh, and like people go, okay, well, they're the best defensive team. Somebody else is in the conference. Are they? Yeah. I mean, if you like factored in um, the um, 22 times that we're um, taking the ball away from them, have you factored that in? You know, we're an incredibly good defensive team. We just do it in a um, in a different way. Yeah, you don't fit the mold. You, you know, yeah. You know, so I don't. Uh, one one, I don't think coaches understand it well enough, or uh, they understand something um, better that works for them, which mm-hmm. is critical, right? You got to know it. You got to yeah. believe in it. Um, and then a two, they're control freaks. Yeah. You know, like we give our guys so much freedom out there that I don't think most coaches are um, comfortable giving their players that amount of freedom and, and to have them not be in control of calling play after play. Yeah, that's, that's definitely that true. That's, that, there's definitely a lot of truth in there. You've mentioned re- uh, recruiting a few times and just the, the type of guys you recruit, recruit. A lot of people today like to criticize the modern athlete, saying that they won't sacrifice and that they are selfish. You guys play a ton of guys at Whitman, and you truly play as a team both on offense and defense. What types of kids are you looking for and is it hard to find the types of kids that uh can really thrive in your program i think we're all selfish that's uh, you know uh, that's for starters and uh, and if there's anyone out there that uh, says they're not selfish then they're not human I mean, right that's what humans are you know like i don't uh you know, like one thing is uh, for sure once you get into an environment a true environment where um Everybody lays down their defenses and and are uh, vulnerable, and it begins with the head coach, right? Yeah. Um, you know, and like realize that it's okay to fail, and you're um, and you're spending the majority of your time together on and off the floor. You know, like it's really hard to not want to play for the guy next to you. Yeah. I mean, very true. You know, um, you know, so it's it's um, just a matter of, of building that cu- uh, culture. Like the first two or three years are uh, difficult, but by the third year. It should be mostly in place, and you should see, you know, uh, that uh, program take off. Mm-hmm. But, uh, once you get that uh, that uh, culture set, players want to be there. They visit and they're like, "Wow, yeah, it's positive, it's fun. I want to be there." Um, you know, so it's uh, recruiting's not been tough in that uh, in that respect, right? Um, and uh, that's where it begins. I think is when they visit with uh, your guys and go, "Boy, I'm averaging um, 26 uh, in high school. That's not." That's not fun because we're losing, or I would rather be in a program where everyone's just trying to do the same thing and trying to be successful together. Right, know? right, for sure. So I was on the bland, but yeah. Yeah. I, I want to talk about the 2016 2017 season. I was a freshman that year at Wesleyan, and we were both down in Daytona Beach for a, the D3 basketball holiday showcase. You guys came into that with a lot of hype. You were ranked second in the country at the time in the D3 Hoops National Poll. And I was intrigued enough that my dad and I stayed to watch one of your games, and I just immediately became a fan. That season, that season, you 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 end up going undefeated during the regular season, the first team in the history of the Northwest Conference to do so, and you ended up making the Final Four for as as you said, the first West Coast team to do that since 1982. When did you know that that group could do something that special? Uh, quite frankly, um, uh, I felt like uh, uh, we we overscheduled, 
you know, like um, like a, a bunch of those guys uh, were sophomores, um, you know, and I'm like, boy, I wish we had this scheduled a year after. Right, yeah. Because I, 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 mean, I thought we were going to, uh, we could easily lose four or five of those uh, those uh, non-conference games. I mean, we played Wooster, and uh, you probably saw us play Marietta. Yep. You know, like, those are monsters, man. Really good. Like, you know, yeah, there were so many teams um, that we played that were just that good, and they're like, um, I don't know, like, uh, we were having fun, uh, we were detached from outcome, mm-hmm. I mean, you know, uh, that's the other thing, is that, you know, we never say the word win, like, uh, like unless it stands for what's important now. Right. Um, you know, and it's like, we just kept winning, it was weird. I mean, I, I don't know how to describe it, it was like, well, we just kept winning, kept winning, I, and I remember being, in, uh, actually, at Marietta, that's how the E3 tournament works, right? Like, yeah. Like, they sent us two... They sent us to Marietta, even though we had beaten Marietta on a neutral and we're undefeated number one in the country, right? Yeah, exactly. Um, so we we get there and we won. And that's the first time, like, we won. I'm like, we're going to the Final Four. <laughs> like, wait a minute. Yeah. Like, what? You, you know, and, and so we're 31, you know, 31 and 0 going to the Final Four. And you're like, uh, I don't know. It's It was just so uh, surreal, you know. Uh, I don't know if there was ever a time where, where, where you were like, uh, boy, you know, we're, we're going to go far because we, we just don't think that way, or I don't think that way. Right, right. Uh, so you know, and yeah. So, so as you mentioned, just just for the listeners who might not know, the Division Three basketball tournament is not seated in the same way that the Division One tournament is. There are sixteen pods of four teams, where one school hosts the pod at their home gym on campus. So the NCA covers. I travel expenses for teams in the tournament and their policy basically is that the is that a team can travel by bus at most 500 miles in any direction uh and even as you mentioned in the past years where you guys have been one of the top teams in the tournament you guys have not hosted any sweet 16 pods i primarily believe and you probably do too at the ncaa not wanting to pay for three teams to come fly out to walla walla I'm just wondering, what's it like to be sent across the country when you rightfully deserve to host? I think if you're uh, new to the level in the West Coast, you know, you're, you, uh, you're resentful, you know. Um, and, but, that, and, but then you learn that's just not how the uh, Division Three tournament's set up. It's um, set up to save money, you know. Yeah. Uh, you know, and, and, and so it was really weird because we actually hosted um, a sectional at Puget Sound. Mm-hmm. And um, it was weird how he hosted, but anyway, it, it just happened there. But that's so rare; it's a first in the history of the West Coast, right? Yeah. Um, but but like even uh, two years ago, we got sent. You know, it's funny. We got sent all, all the way to uh, to uh, play Williams at Hamilton, even right. though we were the number one seed in the tournament. You know. Yeah. And, and um, I remember um, there with um, uh, the coach Williams, who's awesome, coming out, mm-hmm. and we were talking, and like, man, we. It would be so great to host. And he said, you know, he goes, you know what? We never, he, he goes, we never get the experience. We always host. We're always in our backyard. And, and we never, now it's great for winning. Yeah. But in terms of uh, the experience, you, you know, like if, if uh, you're always hosting every year, like you don't get a, a NCAA tournament field. No. You know, uh, if you're traveling, you do. You know, you talk about your uh, time in Daytona, how much fun you guys had and doing yoga at the beach and all that. Like that's part of the, the essence of the tournament, right? So, yeah. um, I understand that, um, now and, and, you know, like this year they sent Whitworth and us and, uh, they, uh, separated us. Yeah. This never happened. Yeah. I was, I, I was shocked when 
when when that happened because the the Battle of the Wits is one of my favorite Division three games of the calendar. It's like Duke Carolina for me. And <laughs> you gotta get out. Man. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but, but no, it, it was it was. It was great for the level because it was a true Division One feel, you know. Yeah, you for go sure. Different places and you play it, and, and so you just kind of know that going in, and you wish it was different. Like I wish for uh, last year's team because you know we had seven seniors in, in two. We actually we actually arrived at Hamilton where where uh, the sectional was at three a.m. Uh, Thursday morning. Oh wow! And so uh, we slept until two or three. Um, p.m. in the afternoon practice afternoon played the next day and was like i felt like we were um a fraction of ourselves. you know what i mean mm-hmm. like, and it was like right. boy in terms of trying to win a national championship this is not fair you know yeah um but you know we, we had the experience of traveling right so, right right you know it's you know you gotta, um, um, take you gotta, can't get one without the other i guess for sure so going back to the final four in 2017 you guys are pumped you're thrilled you're going to salem you get there and you Get your first suffer your first loss of the season to the eventual national champions Babson. Uh, what was just that experience like in Salem for you personally and for the entire program? Well, let me tell you, it's it's weird because Marietta is only four hours away from Salem. Oh wow! And so when we won there, uh, we won on a Saturday night. Um, our son's birthday was on Sunday, um, so we had a we had a real choice to make. Do we uh, keep the uh, team out there or do we fly back to Walla Walla, which is entirely across the country, right? Yeah. So we chose to uh, keep our team there. I flew back just for the, uh, for our son's birthday and then flew back to um, uh, to uh, Salem. Okay. Um, and, and if I had to do all over again, we would have kept our routine and flew everyone back home and then, and then, and then flew back out. Okay. Because um, now all of a sudden you're out of routine, right? Yeah. On the road, and, you know, and that's yeah. a big deal. Yeah, and so the NCAA does an amazing job, and uh, the city of Salem is just magical in terms of um, hosting championships. And like, I'm sure you know that or, or heard that. Yeah, there's so many uh, community service events going on and banquets and stuff. It's so special to be there. It was an amazing experience, uh, you know. And uh, but it's weird too because. You got people that are um, calling us the wrong name, like um, uh, during the game. You know, <laughs> call it, I mean, they call us Whit Ma'am. They call us Whitworth. Uh, no, I, I'm being that's not serious. right. Yeah, they had the wrong logo in the game program. Oh, jeez. Uh, they, they were so like in shock, like <laughs> this, this bunch of hoodlums from the West. You know, <laughs> uh, you know, and it's uh, but it was an amazing experience um, to have your team there. You know, and, and it was just surreal. You know, right, it's, right. Uh, just and it's so difficult to get back there from the West. Uh, you know, it's yeah. just, but but it was an amazing experience. So you begin the following season as the preseason number one team in the D three hoops top twenty five poll, and you returned on practically everybody from your final four run. Was it tough? Except for the player of the year, of course. But yeah. Yeah. What, what, was it tough to keep your edge being ranked number one in the preseason? I don't, uh, we had that problem, uh, the year before, you know, yeah. Uh, and, uh, the year before that we were also ranked high. So like, we never talk about it. It's, uh, it's never brought up. So, um, I didn't felt like, uh, we, you know, that, uh, we had any problems keeping our edge, you know, uh, uh that year we lost, um, a regular season game, uh, at more Pittsburgh. It was great. And, and, uh, we learned so much from that game and, we, and then we played them again in a tournament and beat them and everything at home. But like, 
uh, I didn't feel like we lost any edge at all, you know, uh, throughout the course of that year, you know? Mm -hmm. Yeah. So you guys again make the second weekend of the NCAA tournament and you are again sent to Wisconsin where you faced eventual national champion Nebraska Wesleyan. For reference for the listeners, in 1985, when Villanova played the you know the perfect game to beat Georgetown, they had an effective field goal percentage of 79%. Nebraska Wesleyan shot an effective field goal percentage of 80% against you guys in their victory. I'm not trying to bring up any bad memories, but just, just for the listeners, you guys scored 97 points in that game and still lost by 33. What's it like to coach against a team quite literally playing a perfect game? Well... Like first, you know, like uh, we're um, playing at Platteville, right? Yeah. Wisconsin Platteville, and we had already beaten Stevens Point on a neutral, and then we're then we're uh, shipped off to Platteville to um, um, play Stevens Point in our backyard. Right? Yeah. And we were fortunate enough to uh, uh, beat Stevens Point, and then to play uh, uh, Nebraska Wesleyan. Um, I, th- you know, they they went on and win the national championship, right? Yeah. Uh, they were so freaking good <laughs> no no yeah and, and it, like like you watch them play and like you know they were just what um nai and they had some scholarship guys whatever but like they were what they had six or seven guys like their their whole starting lineup probably would have started for us oh wow i, I mean they, they were so good like it was almost mind-boggling and, and of course, they're on fire, right? Oh, now, on fire, yeah. Here's the deal: like I'm going to the game, and we're going to the game as a staff. Going, but we can press these guys. They only play six or seven guys. We can get to them, you know. And and I think we felt great that Platteville lost, and that we had a neutral court game again to go to the Final Four. Yeah. And I feel like our uh, guys felt like, okay, great, and lost their edge a little bit in getting ready to play Nebraska Wesleyan because who's Nebraska Wesleyan? Uh, I mean, you know, at like that point, they were not a monster yet, right? Yeah, very true. And so so we were not ready to play in that game, and, and, and that always lands on the head coach. So that's my fault. But, like, all of a sudden, you know, like they they hit their first, whatever, six or seven threes, and boom, we're down 20 with, uh, what, um, six or seven minutes in the game. Yeah, like, it was like very quick, right out of the gate. And so here's the deal, like, like in my head, I don't care if you lose by two or two hundred. Right, means, that means nothing to me. Okay, yeah. So, so I'm going. Our um, best chance is to increase possessions against these guys. Yeah, right. And make it an absolute track because they also have the three-two zone. That's amazing. Yeah, the uh, the zone yeah, was. I mean, it, the zone was really good. Really, yeah. And and so like the start of the second half is probably the best story because we're down. 20 or 25, whatever it is, we're getting like demolished. And, um, we come out and we, uh, tweak our press a little bit and we, um, catch them on the run and they hit their first three threes of the second half. And David, I'm telling you, we're on top of those threes. Like, I don't know how they're getting them off. Oh yeah. I, I, I watched your game on, on synergy while, while real researching and, and prepping for this. It was unbelievable. Yeah. You know, so it was like, they were on fire. We were not ready. And like, by the time we got our heads on, you know, like you gotta, you know, we're not built to uh, come back in a half court setting and with their yeah. zone and with their uh, half court offense was fantastic as well. And their players, like even the guys off the bench came off and, and were blowing by our best defenders. And I'm like, 
these guys, who are these guys? <laughs> it was crazy. Uh, you know, and, and they obviously went on to win the national championship and, you know, and they've been dominant ever since. Yeah. Um, but it, it, it was a real eye opener because they were phenomenal. That was a great team. Does it help to ease the pain of those losses in the tournament when they occur to teams who do go on to win the, the national championship? That, that kind of, well, you, know, de- you know, you, you were just in the way of destiny almost. Well, I'll tell you what, you know, uh, back at Puget Sound, um, you know, uh, we, we were Sweet 16, Sweet 16, Elite 8, and uh, we lost to both of the Stevens Point teams that won the national championship back-to-back. Wow. Um, and then we lost to Illinois Wesleyan, so uh, two out of the three there. And then here, we lost to Babson, we mm. lost to Nebraska Wesleyan, and, and then we lost to, uh, yeah, so like, uh, what, like four out of five at that point had yeah. like, gone on to win it, right? So, right. you know, uh, I mean, it, I mean, it, I mean, it helped it a little bit, um, but you know, like when you're so close as a team, yeah, like we're so close. I mean, it's all we do is hang out together. Whenever it ends, it's a train wreck, and, and it doesn't matter how it ends. You know, it's just a, a tearjerker in the locker room, and like the journey's over, and it doesn't matter if it's by a point or if it's by, you know, uh, eighty or whatever. Russ Wesley be this far. Right. Right. So you know. So, Coach, nine of your former players have gone on to play professionally, including one of my favorite players in D3 basketball to watch while I've been at school, Austin Butler. What does yeah. it mean for you and your program to see guys be able to continue their playing careers after graduation? Well, um, I, would, um, I would equate it to uh, you know, uh, one of our guys being able to go and work for Microsoft, you know, if I'm... Um, if uh, that's what they're excited about, right? Yeah. Those are all, those are all players that uh, wanted to do that. That was a goal. And, you know, like when you're a, D, a D3 guy, you don't just uh, go and get an agent and then uh, get a contract. No, like you've got to really, really sell your players and uh, be on the phone and uh, go through contacts that you know and, and try to get them in the right, safest, um, you know, like place to play. That's not easy to do, you no. know? Uh, you know, and uh, so we really work at it. Um, like myself and uh, our assistants, like we're on the phone and researching, talking to people, sending out film, calling them. Like it's a real chore. So, like a chore in terms of it's work, you know. Um, so, but like we're we're uh, so excited with any of those opportunities that, that the guys really want come through, and we work hard at it. And so it's it's exciting that we've uh, had nine. Yeah. Um, you know, you know, but like if we had uh, nine other guys that uh, didn't want to play and they got other opportunities too that they were excited about, and that's what we're trying to do, you know. For sure. So, while I was researching this podcast, one thing jumped out to me about your program that I didn't know about. You guys do incredible community service work in the Walla Walla or uh, area, including going once a week in the preseason to volunteer in a couple under underserved areas in the community. Can you tell us about the program and what inspired you to volunteer so much in the community? Well, I, you know, um, boy, um, I mean, that's kind of what it's about, right? Yeah. You know, um, and whenever from a, um, a group aspect, from a team aspect, when you're working alongside somebody off the floor, uh, serving somebody else, you lose all track, like you lose all track of who's better or like pecking order or basketball. Like what's that mean when you're in these areas where uh, kids don't, get opportunities like the one that you're giving them, you know? Yeah. Uh, and, and you uh, uh, gain um, a real uh, fiber alongside of your teammates doing that and going like, boy, this is really cool. We're actually um, making a difference with 
uh, the, the children that we're working with, right? Yeah, for sure. Uh, I mean, it's 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 a big time deal, and and it's almost it's addictive, right? Yeah. And you see the effects of it in the kids. You know, it's like you want to do it more and more and more. You know, uh, and like from from um, our standpoint as a staff, you got to be real careful because it's so tough as it is at Wesleyan academically. You know. Yeah. And then you have your uh, basketball responsibilities too, and then community service. So we we do as much as we can, and, you know, um, in the preseason, and then year round we have free leadership uh, um, clinics through basketball that we teach. Oh, that's awesome. Yeah. And so we have yeah, I mean, we have over eight hundred kids a year in Walla Walla. <laughs> I mean, there's only thirty five thousand people here. Right. Yeah. So so like they keep coming through, and we do it for free, and our guys volunteer, and we do it together, and it's. It's so great for the college. It's great for our guys. It's great for the community, and it just, and it just kind of snowballed, right? I mean, for it just sure. kept going. So, uh, you know, how do you beat it? That's what it's about. Right, right. So, Coach, I got five rapid fire questions to end the podcast. Oh yeah. All right. So, so number one. A lot better than five slow questions. <laughs> they say players are made in the off season. Is there something that you emphasize to your players as they train for their next basketball season? Uh, you know, it's what they commit to and uh, try to give them one, maybe uh, two things to improve. Gotcha. And then play as much as you can possibly play. Uh-huh. That's really good advice. So number two, do you have any pregame superstitions? Uh, no, other than a routine. You routine, know, uh, okay. And, uh, I mean, if uh, when you have kids, you know, like you, you'll realize that when they're on routine, what they normally do, they're great. Right. If you take them out of routine, they go cuckoo, right? <laughs> oh, so, nuts, yeah. No, that's how your players are, too. So yeah. what we're really superstitious with, but it's also documented the, uh, smart, is to keep them on the routine. We're so consistent with what we're doing down to what we're eating, you know? Um, so, yeah. I mentioned it during during the podcast, but... Can you briefly describe for the listeners what your what your rivalry versus Whitworth is like? Uh, well, I mean, Whitworth's you know uh, a made job. You know, like they've been um, winning for forty years, like regardless of uh, who the coach has been. You know, and so Whitman's never been good. Mm-hmm. So you get a real uh, whenever you upset who normally wins. It, it, no one kind of likes it, you know? Yeah. Um, they just kind of like who normally wins, and if anyone else wins, it bothers them. That deal. So, you know, like, even when we got to the Final Four, we were being called Whitworth, right? Yeah. <laughs> um, you know, <laughs> and I can't tell you how many times out on the road people would go, oh, yeah, you're in Spokane. No. Nope. <laughs> we're in Walla Walla. Yeah. And, and that's gotten less and less. But, you know, it's it's great because everybody likes playing in them. You, you know, um, yeah. there's always great games What's been interesting is, you know, we graduated seven seniors. And then so we have a group now, like we had a 67-game conference winning streak, uh, you know, going into the season. And it's like like our guys are like playing against the ghosts of the last four years, right? Mm-hmm. And so, you know, like even though you're playing in a, in a rivalry game um, against a rival, every team's giving you their very best shot. Right, yeah, for sure. Uh, I mean, it's crazy. You know, uh, and so it's a uh, just in terms of big game, they're all big games right now. And, you know, and it never stays that way. But, you know, right now with the programs that like whether it's Whitworth or every team is coming out with their very best. 
Yeah, for sure. So we saw this past year North Carolina travel to Gonzaga for a regular season game, a matchup that seemed impossible 15 years ago. Is there a school that you dream of coming to Walla Walla to play? <laughs> um, boy. Uh, I mean, uh, D3, you mean? Yeah. You know, we've had St. Thomas come out, and they've they've been great. Obviously, they're going yeah. one. Thomas, yeah. Um, uh, you know, I don't. Know, I've got so much respect for the powers that have been there. Like beating, like beating Stevens Point the last three times we played them. It's a big deal because they're one of the perennial powers, right? Yeah. Um, you know, uh, we've beaten. Uh, I don't know who. Like beating, like beating Wooster was a huge deal. Yeah, for you sure. Know, they came out here to play, and it's like they're the winningest team in the two thousands. Wooster yeah. is. You know, you, you know, so there's so many, you know, not so many, there's probably six or eight of those programs that are just monsters. You know, I don't know that I would choose any one of them as uh, I'm more excited to like play than like the others. Uh-huh. Uh, but, you know, we'd have a lot better chance of beating here. Say <laughs> <laughs> that. So for any listeners who might plan a trip out to Walla Walla after listening to this podcast, what are some of your favorite places to eat in town? Well, we're a uh, wine community. We're the uh, second largest uh, wine area in um, North America outside of uh, Napa Valley in California. Wow. So, yeah. And so you just, with that comes cuisines and artsy restaurants. And, you know, there's a uh, truckload of those. Uh, My favorite is the Green Lantern, which is a um, bar grill. And they, I mean, they got burgers and fish tacos and, you know, not into the wine stuff, but it's um, (laughs) definitely the Green Lantern. You got to come, I mean, it's, Amazing food, amazing people, and it's like a sports park. That's that, where you go. That sounds great. So, Coach, I really appreciate you taking the time to, to join me today. Do you have any words for the great people of the, of the Walla Walla community? We love Walla Walla. We are Walla Walla. Yeah. <laughs> it's been, it, uh, I mean, it's been a great match uh, made in heaven. You know, Whitman used to have this big uh, bubble around it, you know, because it's so liberal and Walla Walla's more – conservative and, and i think our programs bridge a whole lot of that but, uh we just re- like we almost feel like we're representing walla walla rather than whitman you know yeah it's just so ingrained in the, in the community but uh we we love it here it's a great place and we're very very uh proud to be able to represent it when we travel coach thanks so much for the for the time thanks david really appreciate that uh the opportunity yep. have a great one you too that'll do it for this episode of the double double We will be back on Friday with another interview with the head men's basketball coach at the Division III level. I have had a lot of fun doing these and researching these podcasts and reaching out to different coaches, so I'm hoping that you are enjoying them as well. Uh, If you enjoy this podcast, uh, you can subscribe to us on iTunes or Spotify or wherever you get your podcasts. And you can follow us on Twitter at DBL underscore DBL podcast. So uh, everyone take care, stay safe, and make it a great day.